0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We are still without much word about what is going to be going on with UFC 249, but that does not stop me and Shockwave Dave from talking about it. We'll be talking about where we think that card's going to happen, whether we think that card's going to happen, and plus, we will run down with you guys some title fights we would like to see in the future. All that. Plus, of course, we've got two great fighter interviews for you. First, Lauren Murphy is stopping by to give us both some quarantine suggestions and to talk a little bit about the UFC women's flyweight division and then we'll be talking to Randy Costa as he sits on a beach and drinks some delicious alcoholic drinks and tells us about why that's going to help him later on. So make sure you catch both of those interviews and all that great content, but before you do, I got to mention that this episode of Top Turtle MMA podcast is brought to you by Battle Clan Gear. Visit battleclangear.com and use promo code turtleup10. For 10% off your whole order. Now that's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P 10. Turtle up ten. Now, I personally love Battle Clean Gear because their their gear is just so comfortable and it looks phenomenal. But in addition to that, I love the story of the company coming together, which is two guys who just absolutely love everything about MMA, even though they are completely different people. And right now, I think that's what the world needs, right, is people coming together. So rep your clan, whether you can be with them or not right now, at BattleClanGear.com. And make sure to use that promo code, Up 10 BattleClanGear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby-Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of being joined by UFC flyweight contender, Lauren Murphy. Lauren, I I wanted to start talking to you about the the status of the flyweight division because, you know, just before we all headed into quarantine, it was announced that uh, Valentina Shevchenko would be fighting JoJo Calderwood for the next shot at the title. Uh, What are your thoughts on that fight? and, And what are your thoughts on Shevchenko wanting to get back in there so quickly?
1: Uh, I think it. I think it's probably the matchup that makes the most sense right now for Shichenko, and I don't blame her for trying to get back in there ASAP. Um, like she's trying to make money, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I bet she feels pretty confident against you know anybody that she's going to be facing in the division right now. So if I were her, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be like line them up so <laughs> I could keep getting paid. But I think JoJo's probably the best. Uh, the best. Um, I think it's the matchup that makes the most sense right now. I actually wanted to call out JoJo after my fight, but they announced that she was going to be fighting Shevchenko uh, before I fought Andrea. Like before before I fought Andrea, they had already announced that she was going to be fighting Shevchenko. So I knew it wouldn't make sense to like call her out. So uh, I ended up calling out Roxy, but yeah, definitely. She's the number one contender right now.
0: And, and that fight with Roxy that you called for, and, and I love that fight. It, it seems like it would be for a number one contender fight, right? Because – the people in front of you, both Chokagian and Jessica Ai, uh, both lost are lost for the title. Jennifer Maya is coming off a loss. So, like, you guys are five and six, both coming off of big wins yourselves. Is, is that sort of why you like that fight so much? Is is that what you love about it?
1: I guess. I mean, there's, there's really a lot of reasons. So, JoJo just got a title shot off of beating Andrea Lee by a split decision. You know what I mean, and so I also just beat Andrea Lee by split decision. So I feel like I have to be pretty close, mm-hmm. like to to being in the contendership mix, you know. Um, and I already fought Chukagian, Jessica, I, and Jennifer Maya have both missed weight, and JoJo's already lined up for the for the next title shot. So that takes care of pretty much the whole top five except for Roxy.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about fighting Roxy, too, because I know last time we talked on this show, you, you actually said you're a big fan of Roxy's. Like, you like her, you think she's entertaining. We talked a little bit about her just beating Macy Barber at that time. What are th- your thoughts about getting into a cage and, and seemingly trying to put a hurt on Roxy and Matafari? Uh,
1: well, I do really like Roxy. We, like, I mean, we met on The Ultimate Fighter, and we've kept in touch ever since, and, like, um. Like, I, I am a big Roxy fan, but for me, it's an honor to go in there and fight her. Like, I would definitely bring her my best. Did you know Roxanne fought for the Strike Force title before I ever even started training? I, I she, did, I I did know she that. She,
0: she is an OG as much as they could possibly be.
1: Yeah, and so I know people think we're like from the same generation, that Roxy and I are the same generation, but we're not. She was fighting way before me, and I used to watch her on my TV. You know, and, and uh, I had just started training, I think, and then I heard about Sarah Kaufman knocking her out um, via slam, you know, and I, I believe that fight was for the force title. And I had just started training when I heard about it, and I just remember being in awe that those women fought at such a high level. Like, like for me to fight Roxanne would be, j- like, it would be a dream come true. It would be like I finally made it, and now I'm fighting all those women that I used to watch on my TV when I first started training.
0: And you just said, you know, you you would feel like you finally made it. Do you feel like you haven't already made it? Because I mean, you're ranked number six in the flyweight division. You know, like you said, you're probably a fight, maybe, you know, even less, maybe an injury away from being in a title fight.
1: Do, Do you still feel
0: like you're not there yet? You haven't made it?
1: No, I think I've made it. I think I finally felt like I became, like, a like a real fighter. <laughs> I think I became, a, like, I felt like I made it, I think, when I got a new UFC contract. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like, okay, now I can really just put it all out there. I don't have to play anything safe. I can just leave it all in the cage from here on out um, and and be proud of my career and be happy, you know?
0: Absolutely. And was that right around the time you switched to the flyweight division?
1: No, um, I fought a bunch of killers in the flyweight division before I got a new contract. (laughs) (laughs) I fought Barb Honch. I did. I had to fight Barb Honchak, and then I fought Fajara, Uh, and, uh, and then I fought Mara. So, I mean, I fought all ranked women and two out of three of them were ranked in the top five. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I think I've been fighting contenders, you know, I I think I've been fighting at the highest level, both at 125 and 135. Mm -hmm. You know, it just took me a while to kind of get my feet under me and come into my own as an athlete. Like, I was really such a baby in the sport when I got signed to the UFC. And so I think it's expected there was a couple of stumbles, but, um... Yeah, they've all made me better. And I think I'm in my prime right now.
0: Yeah. And, and we talked last time too. speaking of, of training is like some of this you coming into your prime it is getting to a good training situation, right? Like you made the switch out of the lab. You've got a bunch of different places you train. You're kind of moving around, have tons of partners now. Obviously, this you know, I don't want to turn this straight to coronavirus talk here, but obviously this lockdown has made it really hard for people to train. What has that been like for you?
1: Uh, well, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm really blessed that I live uh, in a, in a nice house with um, a black belt who is also <laughs> one of my coaches and cornermen. Mm-hmm. and we have mats at our house, so we can drill a lot. Um, we actually had a really good drilling session yesterday, and I can still go for runs outside and do little home workouts and stuff. But to be honest with you, I don't have a fight lined up right now, and um, we've got some money in the bank, and we just moved into our new house and. I'm coming off a good win, so I honestly don't mind taking a little bit of time to relax.
0: So so in a perfect world, when would you like to be back in the cage when obviously all of this is settled?
1: We were hoping for July. That was our original hope was for July, um, like maybe International Fight Week. I think that would be great, especially since Roxy lives out there, you know, in Vegas, but – um we're still, we still have our fingers crossed for that, but, you know, everything is so up in the air right now, and it's going to be really interesting to see what everything looks like 10 days from now, two weeks from now, and a month from now.
0: Absolutely. So, obviously, I, I usually like to end these interviews with with asking for some, some predictions for fighters for their upcoming fight, because I'm usually talking to you right before or right after a fight, but... Here we are. We, we definitely don't have that. So what I did cook up to, to close out the interview here was uh, basically a quick fire question round about the quarantine. So uh, I'm just going to give you <laughs> five quick questions about what you're doing during the quarantine. Are you ready?
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Here's number one. Number one is what is one thing that you really still want to do before everything goes back to normal?
1: Uh, one thing I still really want to do before everything goes back to normal is um, finish the, finish all the little projects around my house. Like, we just have a couple little things that we need to do, lace like and trim, shit like that. And I want to get it done before I start training again.
0: I'm doing the exact same thing. Now, what's one thing that you miss <laughs> the most about the freedom you used
1: to have? Uh, the one thing I miss the most about not having the freedom that I used to have is being able to go eat wherever I want at whatever restaurant I want to go to. All
0: right. And what's one thing that you got to do that you had been meaning to do, uh, that, but maybe you just didn't have time when you were training, uh,
1: cook a bunch of good food for myself. Like I have plenty of time to cook now. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, uh, cleaning it up or anything like that. And I don't have to watch my weight right now. camp. So I've been cooking a lot. A lot of good food and baking and stuff like that. (laughs)
0: Nice. And what has been your best time waster uh, while you've been sort of not out in the the real world, so to speak?
1: Twitter. The black hole of Twitter that can (laughs) just suck you in for hours looking at other people's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, apart from that bullshit, uh,
0: what's one thing that you would suggest to people – that they should take in either like a movie or a book or a TV series? What's one thing that they should take in to waste their time when they're not on Twitter?
1: Oh, check this out. Okay. This is actually really good timing. Bill Bryson just came out with a new book called the body and it's fucking awesome. It's hysterical. Bill Bryson's one of my favorite authors. And uh, if anybody's interested in learning every single fucking thing they possibly could about the human body and how it works in a really entertaining way, the body by Bill Bryson has been awesome.
0: Awesome. I did not know that was out. And I would also give a shout out for uh, Bill Bryson's In a Sunburned Country. He writes a hilarious uh, memoir about his travels in uh, Australia.
1: Yeah, I own that book. I read it a long time ago, but uh, I love Bill Bryson. And A Short History of Nearly Everything is my all time favorite book.
0: All right, well, there you go, guys. You have suggestions of things you can do other than get sucked into the black hole of Twitter by Lauren Murphy. Uh, we hope this helps you guys get through the quarantine. Once again, thank you to my guest, Lauren Murphy, UFC flyweight contender. Thanks so much, Lauren.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
0: This is Daniel gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Randy Costa, UFC bantamweight Randy, I, I want to start with like the obvious question on everybody's mind. So uh, obviously you were supposed to fight on the twenty eighth in Columbus, Ohio. The fights cancelled amidst all of this uh, this mayhem. How did you feel when the UFC called you to tell you it was canceled or when you found out the news?
2: Well, I mean, I found out the news from on on social media actually, because that's you know that that's a primary source of information at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been contacted by the UFC directly. Um, all the information that I know is, is the information that everyone else knows. I don't know any information regarding uh, compensation for any athlete, whether it's on the London card, whether whether it's on the Columbus or, or even the uh, that that Nebraska card. I don't, I don't know anything about any compensation. All the stuff that I know is what everyone else knows. Um, I didn't. I wasn't really like, you know. Obviously, obviously you're disappointed that you can't fight, and I, I was in a camp for eight weeks at that time. You know, so. That that definitely sucks that all the work was put in for it and then to get nothing out of it as far as like a, a, a competitive standpoint. But there's really nothing you can do about it. What am I gonna am I gonna sit home and sulk and cry? You know, be a bitch about it. There's really not. All you can do is just have a have a positive attitude. You know, who knows it could be a blessing in disguise. You know, it it is what it is. It it, is, it doesn't fucking it doesn't matter. You know, it just it sucks that I can't fight. But this is you know, I'm I'm gonna have an opportunity sometime in 2020 to compete again. It is what it is, man. There's nothing you can do about it. There are, there are worse problems in the world right now. I'm happy and healthy. There are some people that are fighting this sickness. You know, there's old people in, in the hospitals right now literally fighting for their life over this over this shit. So it, it is what it is.
0: And you said you just can't sit at home and sulk too. W- what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Because I know obviously like gyms are closed down and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, man. So um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. My family has a house down in, uh, down in Florida. So it literally as soon as I got the notification that the fight was off, I was on an airplane. About three hours later, and I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting on the beach for the next month. Literally everything in Massachusetts is closed until April 17th. So I'm, I'm here and I'm here out in, in Florida, sitting on the beach until April 20th. I'm all here with my girlfriend. Um, we're literally not doing anything. We're not. There's no bars. So we're not going to bars. We're not going out to eat. We're not, you know, doing any touristy shit. We're literally staying at the house, going to the beach, going back to the house. That is literally it. You know, coming off an eight week wait, an eight week weight cut. Bringing to a home quarantine I'm sure you can imagine I'm kind of eating Everything under the fucking sun uh, So then it's, it's not that bad In that regard And uh, you know there are a worse place to be I, I, I looked at it like You know I could be You know Stuck home And in, in doing home quarantine You know In, in 40 degree or Or I could say Fuck it You know Let's get down to Florida As fast as we fucking can So as soon as I got the notification Then I was, I was on a flight About three hours later
0: Well as somebody Who's currently living In Massachusetts I can uh, commend you For that plan Um now, yeah. Uh, fuck uh, that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously, you know, you said you're on the beach, uh, you're eating everything that you want. Uh, are you doing anything to to stay in the MMA shape, or, or to work towards that, or you know, it's this sort of one of those situations where you're like, I'm not gonna have this kind of downtime anytime in my life in the near future. You're just
2: enjoying it. Uh, I'm gonna run about. I'm gonna run a little bit, work out on the beach. Um, but you know, liver shots are a real thing in MMA, and I'm doing all I can to, you know condition my liver by drinking as much alcohol as I can. Um, So that's about the extent of my training at this point. Uh,
0: I love it. I love it. Well, it sounds like you're having a good time down there. It sounds like you're relaxing. So I'll I'll leave you to your beach and and your drinks. Uh, Once again, this was Randy Costa, UFC Bantamweight. Randy, thanks so much for the time, man. Thanks,
2: brother. I appreciate it.
0: And those interviews with Lauren Murphy and Randy Costa are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. When you set up your Maroon Social profile, if you are training any martial art, although you might not be training them so much right now, maybe you're doing some individual training sessions. The really cool thing about it, though, is you can log those individual training sessions on your Maroon Social app to make sure that you are keeping up with those martial arts that otherwise you might be neglecting. And it will tell you week to week, month to month, how much time you're spending on them. And that is just a really nice way of keeping everything in one place. Plus, when it does get back in time for competitions, they've got a great place to store all of your competitions in one easy spot. So make sure to check them out. Maroon Social. Now once again, I'm Dandu Gumby, friendly joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, Costa was obviously supposed to be fighting this weekend. Instead, he's sipping cocktails on the beach. What fight, including his maybe, are you most disappointed that we aren't going to see this weekend from UFC Columbus?
3: Well, obviously that main event was a banger of a heavyweight fight with Naganu and, and Rosenstruck. Uh, I hope we'll get that down the road. Uh, we'll talk about Naganu here coming up in a second, but honestly... You know, deep track, friend of the show. He's an MMA fans, fans, uh, number one kind of fighter. He's a hardcore fans fighter. And that's the return of Matt Brown, who's supposed to be fighting Miguel Baeza. Uh, uh, I'm very disappointed we we'll don't get a Matt Brown fight now.
0: Yeah, and it was kind of an exciting matchup, too. You know, you gets the Contender Series' is uh, Miguel Baeza, who, if I'm not mistaken, had already had his UFC debut, but at the same time is, like, the type of guy who could have, like, very clearly made a big name off of beating Matt Brown. I just checked. He did indeed pick up a a low-kick knockout at Jan Jacek versus Watterson for his uh, UFC debut. So, yeah, he could have gotten in his second fight a win against a guy who a lot of people see as a legend of the sport. Um, And like you said, a hardcore nerd's favorite favorite kind of fighter. I'm also a little bit upset that we're not getting, and strike me down for saying this, Greg Hardy versus Jorgen Castro, Cause I think it's another one of those situations like you're talking about where a guy had an opportunity, a guy in Jorgen DeCastro had a big opportunity to make a name for himself. Now, not against a, you know, like a really high caliber opponent like Matt Brown, but a really big name opponent. And I think he had a great chance to knock him off here too, because I think he's a better kickboxer than, than Greg Hardy. And it's not like Greg Hardy was going to wrestle him up or anything. So you know that one upsets me a little bit. That that would have been a a nice little appetizer to Rosenstreich versus Nagano.
3: Well, you know, we normally would be doing a fight dogs and parlay, our favorite segment on the show, where we're breaking down fights, giving you a parlay to play, a dog to bet on. But of course, there is no card this weekend, so more of a free flow here, almost hearkening back to our early episodes. If you're a long term fan of the show, or a Fastest Fight News segment, if you will, and Gumby, uh, where I want to go is to this little tidbit that speaking of Nagano, uh, Dana White, I guess, has said that he was tested for COVID-19. Not sure if you've ever heard of that virus or not, but uh, it's kind of a big deal right now. And Nagano came up negative, and apparently, uh, should UFC 249 go down, which all indications are, at least according to Dana White, they have a location – uh, that they're not revealing it, but it is going to be a full fight card. Naganu could actually be put on that fight card. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, first, let's give a shout-out to Submission Radio, too, because those guys do an awesome job in that interview with Naganu comes directly from them. Uh, I think it makes sense, right? Like, it, they're going to have trouble if this card is actually going to happen, and people can wildly speculate one way or the other. They can wildly speculate on where it's going to be, and maybe we'll do that a little bit later on, but... You know, like, I think that regardless of where it happens or or when it happens, the idea of it happening is going to be really hard to just keep the fights they had in New York on it, right? People were traveling different places. People are stuck in different places. Some people might be open to, to traveling again to fight. Some people might not want to fight at all. You know, like, there are going to be a lot of different attitudes towards the situation. So I think cobbling together a 12 or 13 fight card from the four events that were all canceled or changed location in the case of UFC in Brooklyn. I think a cobbled together card makes the most sense. And, you know, it's sort of crazy that, you know, we're going to see Francis Ngannou on the undercard here or on the, you know, beginning of the, the pay-per-view, but, but, you know, it, it it's a good car, or a good fight to do a co-main event if they did lose their co-main event because who knows what the co-main event is going to be if Rose Namajunas is going to want to travel for this. So, uh, it's a nice addition to the card, and, and I think you know regardless of if he's fighting Rosenstreich or somebody else, I always love watching Francis Maganu. Uh,
3: we of course on our Twitter uh, ran a couple of polls recently saying what country did we think Dana White had booked. <laughs> For this event, uh, choices being a random Caribbean island, Russia, which got a large amount of votes. uh, But Dubai was the winner. People really thought this would end up in the Mideast. Um, And I think that makes a lot of sense. You and I talked about it off air. Obviously, Khabib has fought there before. Uh, A lot of ties to uh, UAB with UFC. They've run multiple shows there before. Uh, Same thing goes for Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi apparently offered WWE a bunch of money to relocate WrestleMania there. I'm sure they would do the same thing for UFC. Not a high number of um, virus cases as of this taping, so the Middle East makes a lot of sense. Uh, but, Gumby, if the event were to take place outside the continental U.S., where would you put your money on it happening?
0: I'm going to put my money on, and you mentioned it right at the beginning, and, and I think it makes the most sense. It's, it's like a Caribbean island. You know, I, I think the most sense mentally for me, and, and I don't know the, the virus numbers or, or what's going on in, in every country. It's impossible to keep up with at this point. But I think from the perspective of like licensing and the logistics of getting people there, I, I think Costa Rica kind of area, something like that, sort of makes the most sense. I know that they've run MMA fights down there um, in the early aughts, I believe it was, with Bovada fight or Bodog fight, depending on Uh, What you were calling it, Calvin Harris's old dream baby that included uh, Kane Velasquez, among a bunch of other names. But uh, I think like down that way makes the most sense because we're talking about short plane rides from Florida, which, you know, Florida is also in the running, apparently, given that all of that crazy stuff happened with that event this past weekend. I don't know if you guys have read about it, but Combat Night held an event. Uh, This past weekend, March 21st, which is just crazy to me. So uh, I think the idea of going from Florida to a Caribbean island makes the most sense. It's probably the easiest logistically. I just keep thinking about them jetting an entire, you know, card's worth of fighters. And they would all have to be on the same plane if they were going that far, you would feel like, to Saudi Arabia or to the UAE. And I just am having a tough time imagining that. Maybe it's just because I can't imagine that the amount of pull that some people have uh, in these times, especially these hard times, but like, I'm just having a tough time imagining that right now.
3: Well, here's what I'd like to do uh, because, you know, for MMA fans like you and I who have no fights to watch and hopefully everyone's going through fight pass or ESPN plus or YouTube and looking up old fights. I myself have recently been crushing some old pride uh, as you know, no surprise. I, I anyone, just went through.
0: A... I just went through and watched uh, Roy Nelson's entire UFC catalog, and it was, uh, <laughs> it was it was definitely a treat. Do you remember that he knocked out Big Nog? Like that's a thing that uh, happened. He knocked him cold. Go back and watch it. Was, that's my suggestion. Was
3: that in Japan and was it a walk-off knockout or it, am I thinking of someone else?
0: It was a scary walk-off knockout. I cannot tell you whether yeah. or not it was in Japan cuz I didn't watch the whole card. I just watched all of the Roy Nelson fights.
3: <laughs> yeah, I hear you, but I do remember the walk-offness of it. And yeah. That, yeah. That's so that's so cool, man. I love the idea of watching a whole catalog of one fighter's career. I've done it with GSP. I've done it with John Jones. I've done mm-hmm. it with Connor, some of the bigger names, but you went for Roy Nelson. so you're a <laughs> Anyway, uh, so let's do this. We'll turn this into our main segment on the show. We're going to do a little fantasy matchmaking, all things being equal because this virus has canceled so many fights. And even though Dana and I appreciate Dana trying as hard as he said some stupid shit about it. Uh, I appreciate him trying to book fights for Uh, fight fans and for that debt they have to pay off but that's another story for another day let's do a little fantasy matchmaking gumby and let's just go down the champions in the ufc all things being equal let's just say society gets back up and running in two and a half ish months this virus peaks in new york that's been an estimate from the governor by late may early june and then we're more or less back to business. Maybe they don't do full shows in you know, arenas with fans, but the UFC is allowed to start running in Vegas in empty arenas or whatever the case may be. Baseball's targeting June. The NBA could restart uh, their season or do a truncated playoff around June. So let's just go with that. Let's say International Fight Week even in July, to be safe, is going to be the return of weekly fights. And let's test your brain and we'll allow fans to play along at home, and you can tweet us at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter and let us know if you like some of our ideas here or what you would do better. Uh, let's start with Steve Miocic. He does not have a fight book. He's a heavyweight champion. Who does Steve Miocic defend his belt against when the virus uh, subsides and we semi return to normal?
0: So let me just get this straight. Do you think who should he or who will he? What 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 am I answering? Uh,
3: you're answering who should he? You have the stroke. You have the power. You are Dana White and uh, Maynard.
0: All right. So if I'm if I'm Dana White and McMaynard here and I am picking the fight that I think needs to happen, I think he's going to fight. And actually, my answer for both of these is the same, so I don't know why I look for clarification. I think the answer to this here is Daniel Cormier uh, in a third one. Daniel Cormier's saying he's got probably only one fight left you're not going to make him wait for that one fight and you're not going to have him take that one fight against somebody else. You know, I don't want to see the John Jones trilogy. He's just going to get whooped again. Um, and in the meantime, you know, you got Naganu fighting Rosenstreich who, which hopefully will happen right around the same time sets up a clear cut number one contender. And then you got Curtis blaze waiting in the wing in case anything happens to anybody injury wise. So I think the smartest move there is Daniel Cormier for business sense and for
3: what I want to see. I I don't disagree, so I won't add anything. Our light heavyweight champion is the GOAT John Jones. Uh, He's coming off a, I guess some people call it controversial. I think he took three to two or three out of five rounds, I should say, uh, over Dominic Reyes. Who does he fight next? if you were if you had the book as they say and you were booking things
0: so this one's a really tough one for me because I actually don't want to see the Reyes rematch I'd like to see Reyes go get a win somewhere else and figure it out I I think the right move right now for John Jones and this is going to sound a little weird is Jan Blankovic uh you know Jan Blankovic coming off that big knockout of Corey Anderson he looked great doing it he even cut himself like a little promo with John Jones right afterwards so like that's an added bonus. How many people have done a good job of selling a John Jones fight? Um, and, and yeah, he's got some questionable losses in the past, but he's coming off two absolutely crazy knockout wins in, in Anderson and Luke Rockhold. So, I mean, like in a division where you have, you know, the number one, two and three ranked guys in the division have all recently lost to John Jones in every single one of them. In a way that, like, you'd kind of want to see a rematch, let them sort of get one more win. Let them beat one another. Let Anthony Smith go beat Glover Teixeira, and then we'll talk about one of those guys being a a contender again. But in the meantime, give me Jan Blankovic.
3: So for me, I think Jones has cleared out this division. Uh, I'm fine with not seeing the Reyes rematch. I'm I'm cool with him going up to heavyweight. I think there are just more fun, fresh matchups there. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see him against Stipe. I'd like to see him against Francis Ngannou. But I agree with your line of thinking that Reyes can go beat someone else. It, John's the GOAT, and, you know, even if you want to say uh, Tiago Santos put up a really good fight against him. or Let, let Tiago Anthony fight Reyes. Smith.
0: Let Tiago fight Reyes. That, right. that, that's a great matchup. I'd watch the shit out of that. And,
3: and to me, it's like none of them truly, truly beat him. So, you know, it's just there are no crimes here. There is mm-hmm. no crisis. It's no. John fucking Jones. Someone needs to go out there and knock him out to be considered the man, to be the man. you got to beat the man, as Ric Flair says. So with that being said, I'll agree with you. If he's not going to go up to heavyweight, it could be Jan Bonkovitz, it could be Corey Anderson. I don't really care. Just keep seeing who can fucking beat him because he is looking a little more beatable now. We'll keep moving. Uh, We have Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, coming off a boring performance mm-hmm. uh, against Yoel Romero. Who's he fighting next?
0: It, it's going to be Paul Acosta. This one's easy, uh, short to the point. Should have been Paul Acosta before Yoel Romero. He got hurt or whatever happened to him. Uh, it, it should be Paul Acosta now. Darren Till, close second, but in the meantime, it's got to be Paul Acosta.
3: Don't disagree. Our welterweight champ is Kamaru Usman, coming off a great win over Colby Covington. Hell of a fight. I wouldn't mind seeing them match up again. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Kamaru Usman go against the legend GSP just because I find their fighting styles somewhat similar. Uh, but that all being said, in a reality-based world, because I don't think GSP is coming back, who does Usman face?
0: I, I kind of want to see him face Jorge Masvidal. Um, and the reason being is that, especially if I'm Mick Maynard or Dana White here making this match, I, I think Jorge Masvidal's stock is probably higher than it ever will be. And maybe even, and, and this is, might be a controversial take for people, Maybe even higher than it ought to be. So not Mm -hmm. that he hasn't looked good out there, but at the same time, like, to me, Jorge Masvidal is not a completely changed and improved fighter. Like, I think a lot of people think, you know, oh, he's on this tremendous run. You're right. He beat somebody like Darren Till, who's not going to wrestle with him. You know, if you look back at Jorge Masvidal's record, Jorge Masvidal has a history of maybe not looking all that great against guys who can grapple with him. You know, or, or guys who can take his punching power away by, you know, maybe mitigating it a little bit with a little bit of grappling. You know, and that goes all the way back to his time in Bellator, which I don't think a lot of people remember here. In, in Bellator, you know, he got triangle choked in, in the craziest way by Tony Imaba. Like, so, if, you, you know, you take something like that, you know, Gil Melendez did a good job of, of mitigating him. You, you remember he lost to Rustam Habilov, uh, which, I, granted, is down at lightweight, but, like, these are guys who can grapple a little bit. Ally Akinta can grapple a little bit. Benson Henderson can grapple a little bit. You know, Lorenz Larkin can grapple a little bit. All guys who beat him. Damian Maya, guy who beat him. So, like, all these guys we're talking about beating him are guys who can grapple and mitigate his stick. Kamara Usman is an awful matchup for him. He's the worst possible matchup for him, and I don't think there's any chance that uh, Jorge Masvidal, as long as Usman goes in with the right game plan, does anything to him. So I'm saying that it's not a good matchup, from what I want to watch standpoint, but it's the perfect matchup to strike while the Jorge Masvidal's iron's hot. Now, with that being said, you know, what is the perfect matchup? And I think the right answer for who should fight Kamara Usman is the winner of Leon Edwards and Tyrone Woodley, if that fight does indeed happen. A a lot of people writing off Tyrone Woodley, the dude has only got a loss to Kamara Usman, right? As of late, you know, not, you know, we can go way back, but... He looked like a pound-for-pound great for a second, lost to Usman. Everybody forgot about him because he hasn't really fought since then. So watching him beat Leon Edwards, if he did so in dominant fashion, I'd like to see him get another run at it. And if Leon Edwards beat him, I'd love to see Leon get a shot.
3: I like what you said. I think, uh, you know, Masvidal's stock is never going to be higher. Mm-hmm. I think he – I'm not taking anything away from him. The The Askren knockout was amazing, and that certainly helped his stock because that was a three-second clip that was played a billion times over on YouTube and ESPN, and that really helped. And then favorable matchups against a guy like Till, a guy like Nate Diaz. So strike while the iron's hot – he deserves the shot. I'm totally fine with that. It's an interesting striker versus grappler matchup that, let's face it, spoiler alert, Usman's going to fucking destroy him. The match I actually think the UFC should reward fans with, if McGregor doesn't want to fight Gaethje for whatever reason, he doesn't feel like Gaethje's stock is high enough, maybe he's a little worried about how wild Gaethje is, whatever the case may be. I actually like the idea of McGregor versus Masvidal. Uh, despite Masvidal probably being... Uh, the longer fighter, uh, the bigger fighter, I think McGregor matches up pretty well against him. And again, it's someone they're not going to, uh, you know, wrestle each other up against the fence. We're going to see a striking affair and it's going to be fun to watch. And it's really one of the probably top five to 10 names in the UFC right now in Masvidal versus the absolute number one, nobody even close number two biggest name in the ufc so i really like that idea from a business perspective and especially coming off you know with looking like a couple of months of no fights that's a huge fight uh that they could put on international fight week but we'll keep moving here because i always forget how many freaking champions are in the (laughs) ufc uh khabib versus tony there's no other answer but, but tony next we won't even get into who the who that winner might face. Let's just all say our prayers and cross our fingers what the fight happens. Men's featherweight is uh, Alexander Volkanovsky coming off a unanimous decision win over Max Holloway. Who should he fight?
0: I'm actually, so I think he's going to fight Max Holloway, and I don't think that that's a bad answer, but I really think the correct answer here for fight fans is, is Chance on Jung. Um, you know, Chance on Jung, if you look back at his record since he's come back, from his compulsory military service, which took him away from us for a little while. We're we're talking about a KO win over Dennis Bermudez. What by all intensive purposes was a decision win over Yair Rodriguez, or would have been in one second, Uh, a TKO win over Hanado Moicano, who has since moved up to lightweight and, I mean, looked tremendous in his lightweight debut. And then he knocked out Frankie Edgar in about three minutes. So like you're talking about a four fight run since he ran back. From taking a, a, you know, almost a four-year layoff after losing to Jose Aldo for the title, that is pretty much a four-fight undefeated record, uh, you know, with the exception of one weird move. I think he's earned what it takes to get him a shot at Volkanovski. I'd like to see the fight happen, and I actually think he poses a bunch of very interesting stylistic, uh, you know, obstacles for Volkanovski to come up with.
3: Our men's, I agree with you, by the way, um, I'm totally fine with that. I, I'm also fine with Max getting a rematch, but if that's not the case, then, you know, 145 is not short, exciting fights.
0: Yeah, I think he lost that fight, but. too, by the way. I do think Max lost. I'm not one of those people who's out here saying Max won the fight, you gotta be the man to beat the man. I, I think Volkanovski clearly <laughs> won that fight, but at the same time, I'm fine with the rematch.
3: Cejudo is the men's 135 champion, and for all I fucking know, he's still the men's 125 champion, although it's officially <laughs> listed as vacant, but let's not even get into that. Who should Cejudo defend against at 135?
0: So that that rumor is still Jose Aldo, and that seems to be the actual Dana White answer, and God, is is the wrong one. Um, I can't believe there's anybody behind that. To me... I think the the right answer here is probably Aljamain Sterling, because he's got the biggest name out of the rightful challengers, you know, the quote-unquote rightful challengers. Um, and, and he's looked really improved as of late. I also think from that whole stylistic standpoint, You know, his wrestling and his grappling probably gives Henry Cejudo a lot of question marks there. And in the meantime, that allows you to have the other two correct answers, which are Peter Jan and Corey Sandhagen. You can let them duke it out, right? And let them figure out what's going down. So, you you know, I think those are the, all three of those are right answer 1A, 1B, 1C. And then uh, Jose Aldo is wrong answer, you know, Z or whatever you want to call it. Because uh, any of those three makes sense. I'd say let... Al fight him and let the two, you know, newer prospects duke it out for the next shot.
3: Uh, Yeah, I agree with everything you laid out there. My vote goes to Funkmaster, but I would be upset with the other two. Uh, 125 is a mess. Uh, what would you
0: do with 125? Uh, so Davison Figueiredo is by all intensive purposes the champ of that division. I mean, he didn't make weight, but he did flatline Joseph Benavidez, which you know, head butter, no headbutt, uh, is what it is. I think he fights Brandon Moreno, uh, who is coming off that win over Juicy A4 Miga. Uh, I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, as far as that already being a number one contender fight, let Joseph Benavidez then go fight, you know, Alexandre Pantoja or Askar Askarov off or something like that, and then get him back in there.
3: I think that is totally fair. Uh, let's move to the females and we will uh, wrap this up with our women's champion. The goat female fighter of all time is undoubtedly Amanda Nunes wins over Cyborg wins over Honda Housey. Uh, this woman is unstoppable. And it's really funny when you think back to circa 2013-ish Amanda Nunes. Uh, am I not mistaken when I say she lost to gano, Or did she come back to beat gano? Katzing- no, That's, she lost to Katzingano. That sounds
0: familiar. Yeah, I think she lost to Katzingano.
3: And now here we are, seven years later, and she is the GOAT. And it just goes to show you that a fighter you think you know a fighter and then they take a, a pivotal turn in their career maybe get with a new coach and it's just off to the races and really it's just amazing what she's accomplished who should she defend 145 again her 145 title against
0: i think she should defend her 145 first of all i think she should do that first I want to see her fight Megan Anderson. And I know that that's a weird answer, but Megan Anderson looked good on the feet in her last fight. You know, uh, Felicia Spencer is, you know, was rumored to be the one who was going to fight her in in Brazil, um, which I don't think is a wrong answer either, especially because Felicia Spencer has a win over Megan Anderson. I just don't see Felicia Spencer forcing Amanda Nunes to grapple. And that's really like the Felicia Spencer path to victory. So, like, I would much rather see the really long, tall striker, you know, albeit with a puncher's chance and a small puncher's chance, fight Amanda Nunes. So my answer is I wish it was Megan Anderson, but probably the right answer is Felicia Spencer.
3: And what's the right answer at 135 pounds?
0: So I think the right answer at 135 pounds is to let her fight at 45 first, uh, because what this does is it gives you some time to work out a contender. Because right now I've got two or three who are in mind right now who are all probably one win away and maybe just over one another. Um, You know, Aspen Ladd had a great run until she got beat by Jermaine Durandamy in like 30 seconds. She's right on the cusp. Then you can, you know, include somebody like uh, Juliana Pena who uh, took two years off, but then came back and was pretty good against Nico Montano. And then you got Irene Aldana, who, you know, is 5-1 and one in her last six with only a split decision loss to Raquel Pennington. I wouldn't mind seeing her in there, too. You know, like, any of those with a win over the other while she defends her 45-pound title is a good answer for me.
3: All right, the 125-pound champion is Valentina Shevchenko. She has looked very good uh, at 125, and, and really, I mean, she – she was never... She she looked good against Amanda Nunes, too. Um, but she was unable to capture the 135-pound title. She's now the 125-pound champion. Who should she defend against? So
0: so the answer is, you know, the, the match they already made. You know, the UFC announced that she's going to be fighting JoJo Calderwood, and I don't think that that's the wrong answer. You know, Joanne Calderwood... Uh, has put in the work. She clearly looks better. Her only loss since coming to Flyweight was a split decision loss uh, to Caitlin Shokagian, which, by the way, I had her winning when I was watching it live. Haven't gone back and watched it, but, you know, she's right there. And, And I think, too, there's, as we talked about earlier on the show with Lauren Murphy, the logical number one contender fight, too. It just happens to be Lauren Murphy versus uh Roxanne Matafari so you could you know build a little four-person tournament right there have some fun with it and uh yeah women's flyweight is slowly turning into being a a pretty fun competitive division
3: all right we'll wrap things up at female 115 pounds are coming off the greatest female fight of all time with Zhang Wiley defending her title against Joanna Janjacek do we go to the immediate rematch, or does she fight someone else first? She she fights someone else first.
0: If that Rose uh Jessica Andrade fight happens um, at UFC 249, as it was originally scheduled, and Rose Namajunas is victorious, I put Rose Namajunas in there for sure. Um, because Rose would then have avenged her only loss in the division. She's got two wins over Joanna Jacek. I, I think it, it'd be interesting to see what she does. And, and to be honest, when that first loss to Jessica Andrade she was really winning that fight anyway, or at least in my opinion. I gave her the first round, and she looked decent in the second round until she made the mistake, so uh, Rose Namajunas makes the most sense. I'm also really trying to figure out where the fuck is Tatiana Suarez, Uh, because Tatiana Suarez has been right on that cusp of a title shot. I know she's had some neck injuries and some other things. She's coming off a win over Nina Ansaroff. Like, that's a good win in and of itself. It'd be nice to see maybe her challenge uh, if, if Wei Li Zhang wants to, you know, be a, you know, an active champion like Valentina Shevchenko. But if not, you could always book her with Ioana Janjacek and set up the winner of that, getting uh, the winner of Rose Namajunas and Wei Li Zhang.
3: It's always tempting after you see a great fight like that, that goes to decision, a, a close fight to make the immediate rematch. I actually think it's better for business. I repeat, better for business if they both go their separate ways at least for one fight come back in a year with that fight on an international fight week or it could headline its own card Mm -hmm. uh you know provided they both win and I know that's very risky but even if they don't it's not like Joanna's is going to go on a four fight losing streak yeah she's going to be in the mix
0: and if she loses to Tatiana Suarez how easy is it to sell Tatiana Suarez versus Bailey Shang? like that is an easy fight to sell then
3: and and you still have that match in your back pocket as a rematch down the road. So, again, I'm fine with them not rerunning it. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we did our little fantasy champion matchmaking. Why don't you hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Let us know what we got right. Let us know what we got wrong. We're accepting both love and hate feedback currently. Gumby, that about does it for us. Why don't you uh, wrap things up and get us out of here?
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We hope all you guys are staying safe. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on and giving us a mothership from which to depart to your ears from. And we want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Battle Clan Gear. Make sure to check out those two phenomenal companies. And then, of course, make sure you also check out our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We've got all kinds of stuff to keep your mind off of the craziness that's happening in the world. So make sure you head on over there. Now I'm Daniel Gubby grewin He was Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.